This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Welcome to episode number 13 in the N2 Backpacking Podcast Series. This is uh, Bird Shooter, and tonight we've got KC, aka 30 Pack, on the phone. He's going to talk about his 2012 AT through hike and soon to be Pacific Crest Trail hike that will start uh, this spring. But more importantly, he'll uh, discuss some of the high and low points from his Appalachian Trail experience. Uh, some favorite towns and hostels that uh, he visited, and uh, most importantly, why the Appalachian Trail is for him, and for me, one of the uh, most important experiences of his life. So that said, here's Casey. This is Bird Shooter here, and we've got uh, we've got 30 pack with us. He uh, just finished the Appalachian Trail last year, and he's uh, taken the winter off to do some work before he hits the PCT. So, uh, welcome 30 pack to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Bird Shooter. I really appreciate it. I'm uh, really excited to hear from you again. Yeah, absolutely. Which which brings me to my um, I guess my first question. I guess we met in March. And it was probably, how many days were you on the trail when we met at the, uh, was it the Whitley Gap Shelter? Oh, it was. And it was it was so funny because it was my third day on the Appalachian Trail. And my first two nights, I was, I was practically alone. And, you know, I didn't know anything about trail magic. I didn't know what to expect or I, I really didn't know what I was getting into. And I went to, I went through Neil's Gap. A lot of people stay at that hostel. And, you know, they get pizza and drink a couple of beers and hang out there and, and, you know, sleep in a bed. But it was the middle of the day. It was about 1 o'clock. It, it was raining when I got there, so I hung out until the rain, you know, stopped a little bit. And then I just headed off. I bought a pair of trekking poles, and I saw Whitley Shelter, and I was just pooped the first two days. I think I did uh, 14 miles each day, and, and that third day, I forget how many miles it was, but I saw the sign for Whitley Shelter, and it's... Um, a little more than a mile off the trail, I believe. And I'm walking down the hill, and I think no one's going to be there because my first two nights I, I was alone. Um, the, the second night I was at Woodhole Shelter, which was for no one was camping there because it was a bear area, and you're supposed to have a bear canister, and it's the beginning of the trail. Everyone's kind of scared of bears. And I was like, you know, screw it. Someone has to be there. And no one's there. So the third day, I'm thinking the same thing, and I, I'm walking down the hill, and I see a whole bunch of people drinking <laughs> cold blood lights. And, you know, that, that, that was crazy. That was that that moment in, in my life, meeting such, you know, the way that, that stuff comes together on the trail, the way that, that we all, I didn't know anyone there. You know, you knew Zip, but, you know, I didn't know Zip. I didn't know you. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know what trail magic was. And we all came together. You know, we had a few beers. We had a big fire. Atlas played the guitar, and, and Tree Piper played his, you know, his Indian flute type thing. And we all came together like we were friends having a high school reunion. And there was something just so special there that, that words can't touch. 
Yeah, the music that night was surprisingly like super good. I felt like I was at an actual concert. I was shocked how uh, talented uh, both Atlas and Tree Piper were. Just completely ad libbing music. It was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Now, so I wanted to ask you, uh, Casey, was this your was this your first backpacking trip? Had you done much backpacking before you uh, hit the AT? That was my first long distance backing trip that I chose to go on to. Um, I, I never did a, a backpacking over, you know, 50 miles before. When I was younger, in, when I was in high school, I, I got in some trouble, um, you know, just regular mischievous things, you know, in high school, you know, smoking a little pot and, and drinking beer. And I got in some trouble. My parents sent me to a couple wilderness programs. And one of them was in Dahlonega, Georgia, which is right next to the Appalachian Trail. And so one of my first hiking over, you know, 20 miles and camping in the woods was at a wilderness program. And we got to hike little sections of the Appalachian Trail from Blood Mountain to Springer and, and Springer all through about, you know, the 70 miles of Georgia. And that was my first taste of the Appalachian Trail. But unfortunately, at that time, I, I wasn't grateful for being out there. It was more of, oh, my parents sent me here and, and I'm mad at them. I, it wasn't the same. So when did you, I mean, at what point, you obviously were familiar with the uh, Appalachian Trail. At what point did you decide that you wanted to hike the whole thing? Because I, I know for for me, it took probably three, three or four years of backpacking before it really got in my brain and I wanted to do the whole thing. How long did it um, did it kind of take for you for the uh, for the idea to sort of fester and uh, drag okay, you out? I'll, I'll try to break down a, a long story a little shorter. Um, about two, two, about three years ago, me, me and my grandfather were were really close, and and my grandfather unfortunately passed away, um, and he died, and, and about three weeks later, me and my girlfriend of four years broke up, and it was my first time experiencing going through a hard breakup, and, and it was my first family member that I ever lost. And I took it really bad, and I, I took it out. I didn't know how, how to react. I didn't know how to be sad. I, I didn't want to talk to my parents. I kind of wanted to be alone, and I started drinking a lot for, for a long time. And what happened was I got in some trouble, and one night I came home at about 3 a.m., and I had way too much to drink, and I walked up to my parents' room, and, you know, I was falling over, and I said, I'm sick of doing this. I need to... I need to get out. I need to explore, and I need to so-called find myself. I, I just need to do something new, and I, I didn't know exactly what it was, but something told me told me to go hike the Appalachian Trail, and it all started with me being drunk one night, walking out of my parents' room in, at the end of January, and saying, "I want to go hike 2,184 miles." And the next thing you know, a few weeks later, this was two months before I, I left for Georgia two months before, and we went and got some gear. I did a couple, you know, short six-mile, ten-mile hikes, and, and next thing I know, I was at Springer. My mom dropped me off. It, it was a crazy turn of events. So I was at a very low point in my, in my life. You know, I wasn't in school. I, I wasn't happy with with who I was, and, and I was really sad. And, and I just went into it closed eyes and no expectations. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, Casey, I think that's pretty typical for a lot of the people that hit the trail, right? They're all in some kind of transition. Maybe they just graduated from uh, college or maybe they, 
you know, just left a job that they'd had for a while or got divorced or, you know, whatever, right? It seems like a lot of people you meet are in some period of transition. Retirement, you get a lot of folks that just hit retirement. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can I can definitely relate. I was tired of my first job when I hit the trail, and, uh, you know, it was a good chance for me to really think about what I wanted to do next in my life. So I, I know exactly what you're saying. So th that night in, in Whitley Gap Shelter, we had um, God, a pretty large group. I think we ended up with man, close to 10 or 12 people there just by sheer coincidence. It was amazing that that many oh, yeah. people would, would walk a mile off the trail to – you know, to a shelter, but um, was that the birth of the Wolfpack, basically, or was the Wolfpack already sort of uh, starting to, to come together before that night? The Wolfpack started the official, you know, a lot of us were there at Whitley. Um, yeah, it was so random how many how many people went there, because I've I told so many people this story, and, you know, a lot of them through hikers, and everyone's like, oh, I, I didn't even think twice about going to that shelter. You know, it's so far off, and it, it's down a hill, too. And, um, gosh, there was um, about 12 of us there. And the next day, me, Atlas, and Trucker were walking together. And for some odd reason, one of us did a howl, you know, ow, ow. And the next thing you know, all of us are howling. And it was a day or two later that we started calling ourselves the Wolf Pack. So, so that was the birth. I remember actually being on that ridge where you and I had seen the sunset. And um, yeah. somebody was howling at the time. I mean, I think I witnessed, like, the beginning of the Wolf Pack. But that, that was the birth of it then. I wasn't sure if it was already rolling before I met you guys or if it basically happened about that time. No, it, it happened. It happened right there. Yeah, there's nothing before. I, I hadn't seen anyone before. So, oh yeah, that's right. I remember you saying that. So, um, curious to get your opinion, right? Like, just the social aspects of the trail. Did you did you find yourself hiking alone a lot during the day, more with other people? Um, just um, towards the beginning, it seemed like like we we you know one or two of us would hike together. But as we started getting our hiking legs, a lot of the trail, I don't want to say I was hiking alone, but we'd kind of pinpoint a place that we would meet at. You know, in four miles, that, that's all meet at this river. Um, if I don't see you there, that's all camp at, at this lake, or that's meet at this shelter, or that's meet at this road crossing. So a lot of the, the trail for me was, was hiking by myself, like meeting people at certain points and, and all getting together and, and sharing our experiences through the day. Did, did you find yourself hiking alone much at all, or did you prefer hiking with other people? I, I, preferred, I preferred hiking alone. Um, I, I like, there's such a simplicity to walking that's so beautiful. And, and I really, at first, I, I didn't enjoy it as much. But as time went on and, and the miles, you know, started growing and, and I went through different states, I really enjoyed the, the just the, such an the amazing feeling you get of being alone in, in the wild with, with nature and, and everything that's, that's so special. It's so hard to describe. But there was the aspect of, of seeing your buddies later on in the day and, and catching up with them or, or waiting for them at a vista, you know, rock outcropping. So it was kind of a mix. I loved walking with people, but I loved walking with myself at the same time. Now, was was the, I mean, it's a long way to Maine. You you know that better than anyone. You know, you're talking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nearly 2,200 miles to get to uh, 
Katahdin. I mean, was the Wolfpack able to kind of hang together for most of that, or did you guys start to spread out as you got further up the trail? The Wolfpack, our, our group, our group grew um, a lot after after Whitley Whitley Shelter. You know, on the trail, on the trail, on that place, that we're all about. Or, you know, we try to be about happiness and, and love, and, you know, spreading a smile. And so the group, the group grew. You know, we accepted people. But I'd say right around Damascus, which is the the southern tip of Virginia, right when you enter Virginia, was when we started to split up a little bit. You know, people went different ways. But a, a lot of us stayed together for for a long time, surprisingly. And one of the people that was at Whitley Shelter, shelter was Gumby. And me and Gumby, I didn't see her for probably a thousand miles. And I met her on day three, and we ended up summoning Katahdin together. And it was so cool. It, it was amazing how people spread so far apart. And you might read a shelter log, and then they go into town, and you pass them, and then you go into town, and they pass them. And the next thing you know, you, you hike a few hundred miles together, and, and it's like you never left each other. It's a long way to Maine. That's all I got to say. I mean, it's, it's to try to keep somebody, to, you know, to keep together as a group for that far is just a, it's a near impossibility. Did, did you have a favorite uh, trail town that you visited? Uh, you know, uh, I guess a specific hostel or any specific spots on the way when, when you, uh, you know, wanted to hang out for a few days? Um, yeah, I had a, you know, trail towns are funny. Um, it's kind of... It's kind of hit or miss, you know. You go into a trail town alone and, and with people you don't know, or, or you go into a town with people that you know, and it, it's a big celebration. You know, we're meeting 500 miles, a thousand miles. My favorite hostel on the trail would be would be split between Uncle Johnny's and Stan and Bear, which are which are both in Tennessee. And what what really stuck out for me was the people that were there. When I went into Uncle Johnny's, we get, the wolf pack got split up a little bit, and me and Walkney, it was just me and Walkney, and we walked in, and Atlas, and Zip, and, and Damn Yankee, and, and everyone was there, and Spam, and, and Rocket, and so I walked in, and it was like a, a birthday surprise. Atlas is playing his guitar, he's, he's singing to me and Walkney as we walk in, and it was like a big party, you know, we're cooking hot dogs and drinking beer, and, and it's just so, so cool. So the hostels are kind of the energy that that's there, so to speak. It's not so much how you're taken care of, how nicely the beds are made. It's more, for me, my experience of what I loved was, was the people. The people make the trail, and I love that part of it. I, I totally agree. I mean, I know some people want to go southbound uh, just for a little more solitude, but I can tell you with certainty, Casey, I would have never made it to Maine if I were by myself. If I were going probably southbound, I, I bet I would have not made it because the social thing was really what drove me on when I did it back in, God, dating myself here back in 1994. But um, what, what about trail towns? Did you have, uh, can you give me your top three? Top three. Uh, that's a tough one. I'd say my 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 favorite trail town was Hanover, New Hampshire, and it was amazing when you walk in there. You know, that's right around I want to say eight, seventeen, eighteen hundred miles, 
and you walk into that town and, and you get free pizza, you get free donuts, you get free coffee, you get you get a free beer and, and pizza at one spot. You know, and these are you know five or six different spots along the town, which you walk right down the sidewalk of. And and it was amazing going in there. I was with my buddy Apollo for one of the days, and we're just walking down the sidewalk. And a guy walks up with us. He has an extra large pizza. And he just says, hey, you guys want some pizza? The same thing happens to us the next day. And, and it was amazing that the energy that you get off other people that aren't hiking the trail. Some of these people never hike the trail, but they're inspired by what you're doing and how long you came along the way. And Hanover, New Hampshire had so much love involved. Another one of my favorites was Damascus. Damascus is like a pivotal point, so to speak. You're you're right around 500 miles, and you know they they say you know that's where Trail Day is, and, and it's supposed to be the best trail town on the trail. And we got a lot of love there too. And there was like 20 of us there too. So when you're walking down the streets and you see all your buddies, all that love inspires you. You know the sun gets brighter. It's Which like, is amazing. Actually, Hanover, Hanover, New Hampshire, and Damascus were my my two favorite towns. It's like a mega homecoming when you see all your buddies in town. And by the way, there's no way any through hiker would ever turn down a pizza. I can pretty much guarantee guarantee that <laughs> to be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're so hungry out there. Splitting a large pizza is tough when you can each eat a large pizza. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what? I mean, you know what? I guess the trail goes through. It's I should know this. It's either 13 or 14 states, but many. And 14, I, did, yeah. did you have a favorite? Favorite state? I you know I always have a tough time describing this because every state had such a special part to it. There was no state that for me that left me saying, "Oh man, I, I never want to do this again." You know, Pennsylvania had the little stretch of rocks, and New Hampshire was hard, and Southern Maine was 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 difficult. But I loved those parts. I loved going through things that, that were a challenge and feeling that. But if I had to had to pick over all of them, I, I'd say New Hampshire and Maine were my two favorite states, and I can't pick between the two. I love them both. I, I agree with you on Maine, actually. I, I, uh, I think part of the reason I like Maine so much is when we went through Maine, it was uh, early October. We got really lucky and had phenomenal weather. It was sunny. It was fairly warm, you know, considering the fact that it was October. And uh, the leaves were just unbelievable. We were camping by beautiful lakes every night in the 100-mile wilderness. I mean, Maine, def oh, yeah. Maine definitely won me over. I agree with you on that one. What What about low points for you on the trail? Did you have any uh, any moments when you, you thought you might quit? I, you know, I was. I've tried to think about that so many times. What What was my my hardest point? And I can't really narrow down one. But if there was to be one, when I was in. Uh, North, you know, the end of Massachusetts, well, we got stuck in a rainstorm, and I was beating my feet a lot on rocks, and I got a stress fracture in my right foot, and it was extremely painful. And when I ended up getting to Vermont, it was to a point where 
the, the uphills didn't hurt as much. I don't know if it was the way that my foot was aimed going uphills, but the downhills and the flat ground, I got, I got to points where I didn't want to walk anymore. And it wasn't that I didn't want to walk the trail. It just hurt so bad. But I always knew it was worth it. So I went I went to the emergency room, and, and I got x-rays, and, and the doctor told me, you know, I had a, a couple stress fractures in my in my right foot. And at, at one point, I called my mom, and I said, I, you know, I'm in extreme pain, and I'm going to keep going, but it hurts. And, and she said, she said, you know, you've walked a long way. And if you if you want to come home, you've done you've done a great thing. You know you've made it this far, and that kind of fired me up, saying, you know, I'm not a quitter. It, it doesn't matter how much pain I go through. This trail has brought so much amazing experiences to my life that I'm not going to give up. I will walk to Katahdin in crutches if I have to. But that was a low point because I felt like my body was kind of given up on me and, and I felt pain and, and it wasn't comfortable, but the trail and the people brought me alive. They, they put a smile on my face, no matter how sad or how much pain or how much it hurt. I had people supporting me and pushing me and making me want to make it no matter what. Yeah, that counts for a lot. I mean, I, I, for me, it was Virginia. That's where, I, you know, the Virginia blues, I think, is very real. I had gotten sick, and, uh, you know, it got really hot. I kind of lost all my motivation to go forward, and, you know, I, I very much get that. I, I think uh, had it not been for the people around me, I would have certainly quit at that point, and that was probably somewhere just south of the Shenandoah. I think I hit my ultimate low point. But what about high points for you, Casey? Like, what uh, do you have a um, a high point uh, that you want to share from your experience? Oh, the the high points were were 100, 181 days, six months and one day. But my if, if I my favorite moment on the trail was on Mount Musilock, and that's in New Hampshire. That's right in the beginning of the White Mountains. And when you go into the White Mountains, you stop at a small town called Glencliff. And we went in there and we restocked, and it was the first time I actually saw Gumby in a long time. And I was with my buddy Apollo, a good friend of mine, on the trail I didn't know previously. And we decided that it would be a great idea, which you're not really supposed to do, but to, to cowboy camp on the top of Mount Musilock. And they have an old old um, fire tower up there made of rock. So as of now, there's only about... Two, two and a half feet of rock in, in a rectangle formation. And so we decided we I got a 12-inch sub and a soda, and, and we climbed that four or five miles up Mount Musawak. And we caught the best sunset I've ever seen in my life. We're at the top of a mountain. It's me and my friend Apollo. Not a worry in the world. You couldn't see any lights. You couldn't see any telephone lines, no honking of horns. Everything was just gone. And it was just peace on the top of a mountain, watching the sunset with your best friend. And, and there, there's nothing like that. It, it changed my whole life. Yeah, it's, it's hard to describe the, um, the uh, I guess, the feeling of just being unburdened. You know, just really the simplicity yeah. of the trail, right? You've got your backpack, you've got need for food and water, and then other than that, you just keep moving north. I mean, it's a, it's a liberating feeling that's impossible to describe. Until you go through, oh, it, you know. Oh, I totally agree. It, it's it's really hard to describe, and it, it's you know I hate to use the word life changing, but it's 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 like a, a birth. Of, it's, it's something you've never seen or experienced before. And on on Mount Moose Lock, 
was amazing. But but I can list off a few few places that I you know I've never seen waterfalls like I have on the on the trail. I've done car camping and stuff like that. But Laurel Creek Falls was gorgeous, and or Laurel Falls. It's like one of the widest waterfalls on the trail, and it's rushing water. And then Jones Falls um, down in the south was beautiful. And going into into the hundred mile wilderness was one of the most eye-opening experiences ever because you're going into the middle of the wild. And in Maine, it's more Maine's more of like an island than a state because it's just surrounded. Everywhere you look, there's another lake, there's another lake, there's a waterfall, there's a pond. But they're not ponds up there. What they call is a pond is a lake to what we think is a, is a lake. It's huge. It's amazing how beautiful it is up there. Yeah, what what surprised me about Maine, and I don't know if it surprised you, Casey, because I think, aren't you from the D.C. area, is that correct? Yes, I'm about uh, 20 minutes outside of D.C. So I had never hiked in Maine before, and, you know, you know, where, everywhere I'd hiked before, I was used to, you know, bridges going over streams, and it, it was a different experience for me to have to ford all these streams, right, because uh, they, they basically can't put bridges up because they just wash out in the, uh, you know, in the, in the springtime. So that, that was a kind of trippy but yet cool experience for me was all the fording you had to do up in Maine. Uh, do, what, what did you think about that? Did you try to Ford the Kennebec? That's the big question. I, I didn't Ford that one um, just just because the recommendation is, is to not do it. So I took the canoe. But all the other all all the other rivers and, and big creeks, like when, when you think of creeks, you think of a shallow water. But these these waters are moving really nice. I did I forded every river or creek or stream with my shoes on. I just walked right through it. I just plunged right through it. I didn't take the time to sit down and take my shoes off and prance across the river and grab the rope. I just zoomed through it. I love that part of Maine because it was like an adventure. It was like you're really out in the wild. They don't have bridges, you know, and they're not taking care of you like everywhere. I, I love that part of Maine because it, it's the wild, but, you know. There's something special about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I remember about Maine when it really started to get cooler was I would f- cross some of those streams and I would literally get to the other side and my feet felt like they were going to fall off. They were so, like, stinging. They were so cold, you know. Did, did you have any of those oh, experiences? Oh, yeah, the, the water up in Maine. Oh, you, you think of when you're down south and, and in the middle of the trail, you know, Virginia, and, you know, New Jersey, New York, you're getting up north. You know, the, all you can think of, because it's hot out, all you can dream of is a nice little creek or a river or a lake to jump into and cool off. But in Maine, you want to do the same thing. But, yeah, the water's frigid. It's like jumping in water that feels like ice, but it's not frozen. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Casey, I'm dying to ask you this question because it's re- I don't know if it was for you, but it was for me. You get off the okay. trail... And you've had this just kind of vagabond lifestyle for six months, and then you get thrown back into society. I'm dying to ask you what that experience was like, because I think some people have a hard time adjusting from going from the trail back to reality. Okay. Um, to be honest with you, it, was, it wasn't that hard for me, because I had so much fun. And of course, you you want to you want to do it again. You want to live back. You want you want to walk with those people. You want to live in the woods again. But but I did it. I accomplished it, and I felt such joy with with what I did. That going back home was tough, 
And, and it was sad, you know. It, it will bring some tears to your eyes saying bye to all your trail friends, dropping this guy off at the airport and, and, and saying bye and giving hugs is it, sad. But it was good to come back and, and see my, you know, I miss my mom and my dad and my brother and, and my grandma in the nursing home. And it was such a, a good feeling to come back and, and people be proud of me. I, I had friends that, that I didn't know. They were following my whole journey through through Facebook. And, and they came up to me and told me how inspiring my trip was. And, you know, I want to go back to every day, I think, in the Appalachian Trail and, and how beautiful it was. But I didn't have a that big sad feeling that a lot of people have where, where they have withdrawals and stuff. I, I was happy with what I did, and I, I felt like I did it right, and I, I'm blessed that I had the opportunity to do it. Yeah, and by the way, I was on your Facebook page uh, before the before the call tonight, and I was looking at some of your photos. And um, Jimmy Johnson, by the way, has amazing pictures. That guy took some amazing photos uh, during his hike. But um, you know, oh yeah, he, yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say he he's an amazing amazing photographer and. And, and he does great. He was making a documentary, and his pictures. Oh, he he does a great job. He he knows how to take a a true action shot. I, one of my favorite pictures from the trail he took, and and I didn't even know he took it. It was walking in the Vernon, New Jersey. There's a a long. It's about I don't know point eight. It's a boardwalk through a marsh, and he took a picture walking behind me, and I have I, I hung off American flags on my trail. And he took a picture of me hiking through the marsh, and all you see is the green and the boardwalk and my backpack and my hiking stick, and I'm just walking down the boardwalk and happy as can be. It's just cool. You're right, man. Some of the stuff is just too hard to put into words. You know, ironically, it is sitting on my computer screen right now, that shot of, of you on the boardwalk in Vernon, New Jersey, in that area. So that's kind of ironic that you brought that up. But um, funny, but so so next up is I understand the PCT. So that's your next big uh, your next big venture from what uh, from what you told me, correct? Correct. That's correct. Yeah, I'm I'm leaving around April twentieth, and the reason that that well I, I I I never knew about the Pacific Crest Trail, and I didn't know even though I heard about the Appalachian Trail when I was about sixteen. I didn't know all the details at that time. I didn't. I didn't care for it, and you know, I just kind of went into it blindfolded. And on the Appalachian Trail, you know, other people are talking. I heard about the Pacific Crest Trail, and and my goal was to do it in 2014 or 2015. And when I got home, I had my tax return. Uh, I sold my car. I had a big Jeep Wrangler to hike the Appalachian Trail. And when I got home, I had enough money to invest in a new car, a few thousand dollars. And I told myself when I was on the Appalachian Trail that I'm gonna follow my heart, I'm gonna do things that make me smile, and I'm gonna do things that make me happy. So instead of buying a new car, I said, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna be happy again for six months, and I'm gonna spread some love, and, and I'm gonna go walk the Pacific Crest Trail. You know, there is collecting assets and there is collecting life experiences. And um, I think there's no question when you're 20 years older from now or 40 years older from now, what's going to be much more valuable to you, you know. It's those life experiences that you remember the rest of your life for sure. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And that's why I'm so stoked to go out and to go out to, I've never hiked in California. I've never hiked in Oregon. I've never hiked in Washington. And there's such a thrill to going 
going into something that, that you have no, you know, I know how to hike. I know how to, how to resupply. I know how to walk. I, I know how to talk to people, meet people. But there's something so thrilling about going into a situation. Like, I don't know what, what it's going to be like. And, and there's just such a thrill to the adventure. That it gets my heart going. It makes me just want to go, 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 go. And it's amazing. You have the taste for life, my friend. And the thing that's amazing about uh, being out there and putting yourself out there is once you get the taste, then you really get the taste, you know? Uh, it's addictive, brother. It's addictive. It is addictive, absolutely. Now, I guess you're probably going to, it sounds like at this point you're, you're planning on at least starting alone. You're probably going to go with the whole start alone, meet people on the PCT strategy. Is that your thoughts so far? Yes, that, that's correct. My, um, I'm going out there alone. I, I met a couple of people on the Appalachian Trail. Um, a guy named Flapjack and another guy named Old Smoke. Um, Flapjack, I know 100% is doing it, and Old Smoke is 50-50 at this point, depending on a job. And I, I don't know that Flapjack wants to start, I think, April 28th. But I, I really enjoy... Like I went out on the Appalachian Trail, I, I like to start alone and, and meet people, and, and you, you know, meeting new people. The people are the trail. You know, you see so much, but the people really are the trail. The people make your experience so much more because you you want to share these special moments. And there's something really special, to, in my opinion, of going out and starting alone and, and not knowing who you're going to see or who you're going to meet. And everything out there, there's something, I don't know what it is, but something beautiful about nature that everything comes together perfectly. And I don't have a worry in my mind about starting alone because I know in my heart the mountains and the desert and the volcanoes, everything will work out and everything will come together like a puzzle made into four pieces. I can put it together easy. Is there a, you know, I've heard the Sierras are fantastic. I've hiked uh, some small sections of the PCT, and it's, you know, the scenery is phenomenal, right? I mean, and I know you know that, but is there any specific uh, sections of the Pacific Crest Trail that you're kind of looking forward to um, seeing? One of the, the big sections, yeah, like you just said, I'm, I'm jealous that you've been out in the Sierras. I, I've never been out there. I, I've seen pictures, and, and when you see those pictures, it, it's like you're looking into Lord of the Rings. It's so it's so grand, and it's so vivid, and it's so long. You can just see forever, you know, which was on the 18th, too. But the mountains are bigger. You know, you're looking at mountains that are over 10,000 feet. Some of the, you know, California and Washington, you know, you got Mount Rainier and Mount Whitney and Mount Hood and and Mount Shasta, one of the, one of the big things, uh, side trail off the PCT is is Mount Whitney, which you have to summit if you're hiking the PCT. So I'm really excited about Whitney. Another one of the things that that has me really excited of doing the PCT is I believe it's called Bernie Falls, um, which is like a waterfall. It, it looks like it's. 50 waterfalls at one. It's just so wide. And if you catch it on the right day, I mean, there'll be nothing like it. And then another one is, is a side trail off is Yosemite Falls, which you walk through Yosemite National Park. And Yosemite Falls is the, the tallest waterfall in the United States. So the, I love waterfalls. I, I, there's something about water that just makes you so calm and, and so easy and, and collective that, that's inspiring to go see. And you're raising money, as I understand, for an organization called Hiking for Kids. Uh, did, I, did I get that right? Can you give some more information on that group? 
Um, the, well, that's my, my webpage is rizu.com slash hiking for kids. The, the charity foundation that, that I'm doing the hike for is called FLOC. That's F-L-O-C, which stands for for love of children. And what really stuck out to me with, with choosing them was that they have an outdoor facility. Now, Flock is, is a foundation that is in Washington, D.C. And what they do, a, a lot of what they do is helping kids through school, reading and, and writing and stuff like that. But they also have an aspect where they take inner city, unfortunate kids, you know, single mothers and, and, and poor kids that never had the experience to explore outside. And they have an outdoor facility in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, which is right along the Appalachian Trail, where they take these kids out for 10 days in the summer, and they get to go hiking, they get to do ropes courses, they get to go down by the river and play, they get to sleep in cabins, and they get a taste of something that they've never felt before. And I found so much joy in my trip in the woods. I never knew this, bird shooter. I never knew how much I would love being out in the woods. And these kids don't have the opportunity to do that. And for this or this foundation to give them 10 days out in Harpers Ferry, Harpers Ferry is gorgeous. It's, a, it's amazing. And for these kids to get that opportunity, it, it's something so warming to my heart. It's so touching that there, there's nothing I want to do but to let other people have this opportunity. And these are kids that don't have that chance, you know. I had that chance. But they don't. And, and for me to, to raise some money so they can explore outside and put a smile on their face, that, oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100% on that. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't uh, really fully appreciate what the wilderness can do for you and how fiercely you want to protect it until you really get out there and, you know, get in the middle of it. But um, I'll definitely I'll give you a couple links on the website to your um to your causes so that uh, you know any of the listeners can certainly help you can contribute to the uh, you know the, the fund to, to get them out there are you now there's a I guess you're going to do a blog is that correct there, there's a way that uh, listeners can kind of follow you as you uh, hike this year or next year well it yes, is this year sure. right yes yes um, we're, we're looking at right around 60 days they've uh, what, 22nd of February right yeah time flies huh? it's like spring before you know it Crazy. Uh, it, really, it feels like I was sitting at Katahdin Falls, you know, a few miles from from Midnight Sign, and, and now yeah, it's February. I've already worked for for four months and saved up enough money for for a new journey. Um, but yeah, so I, I set up a blog. I, I really want my you know my family, my friends, and people that donate. I want them to be able to to live through my footsteps, so to speak. And so I set up a blog which uh, involves my, my trail name, 30-pack, which is the number three and then zero pack, um, like a backpack. So it's theadventuresof30pack.com spelled out. Well, you know I'm going to be following you every day on that trail 30 pack because if if I didn't have if I didn't have two kids and a wife to support, I'd probably try to go with you. I'm guessing. But oh, man, that, that, that would be awesome if, if you could come along, man. You, you, 
first year, I, I, I don't want to, <laughs> like, what, what you did on the trail and some of the words that, like, they might not stick out of you, but some of the stuff that you told us a story, I forget where you were about, where there was a couple, there was a few people kayaking, and, and they threw, they said, hey, you know, you come pick us up down the river, here's our car keys, and you went up and you gave some hikers rides to town, and, and then you picked them up later in the day. Like, then you told us, you told us, you know, you're going to get so many, so much trail magic, you don't even know it. You, you don't know how, you didn't say you don't know, but you said you got so much to look forward to. And, and some of the stuff you said, really sunk in with me and made me so excited and, and so inspired and so you know my heart's beating now i'm like pumping my fist like getting pumped up like that was just yesterday and it's oh man it's so cool it, it was just yesterday there casey so hey get our listeners pumped up right now and give them maybe your top trail magic story or top two trail magic stories from your venture Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, well, first of all, the bird shooter trail magic at Whitley Gap it was, was the number one. That was the first trail magic. That was the first seeing a, a through hiker. You know, you threw hiked in 94. That was the first time meeting someone that, that's done that and seeing the smile on your face when you talk about it and, and the way you live that story. But we, we ran into uh, another one of my favorites is we were in Stratton, Maine, which is a little bit before um, Monson, which is right before the 100-mile wilderness. And we walk in. We actually went into this tra- this town in, in the Stratton about eight miles before we were supposed to. We got a hitch on a ride, and, and then we had to go back um, the next day because the Washington Redskins were playing. And I'm a huge Redskins fan. Yeah. It was opening. I'll tell you, I've noticed your passion for the Redskins on your Facebook page. <laughs> You've seen the face, right? Oh, yeah, you're you're definitely passionate. I'll give you that all day long. Yeah, so, so that first game meant a lot to me. The, the preseason I didn't care about, but... But so anyway, so so I, get, I convinced uh, Gumby and Rampage. I was like, you guys, we got to go into town. I got to see this game. So we go into town. We, we get a, a nice little, uh, little motel in, in Stratton, and, and the motel's connected to a bar. And, you know, we're hikers. We don't have a ton of money. So we all go straight to the bar. We get some hot pockets and some microwavable pizza. And, you know, we make us all, you know, we make five of us spit on two bunk beds and a queen-size bed. And we're drinking some beers and watching the game. The Redskins are just kicking butt. It was so awesome to see. It just brought my spirits even higher. I was happy as can be already. And we go down to the bar a little, like right around halftime or so. And this guy walks in, literally right when we walk in, and we're about to order our beers. This guy walks in, and this guy's name's Jim, and he says, "Anything you guys want, it's all on me. You guys are through hikers, right?" And we go, "Yeah, yeah, we're all through hikers." And he had about three hundred dollars to spend. There's about four, four to five of us drinking, and it's two dollar beers, and it's really hard to drink three hundred dollars worth of beer in one night. So we don't even get close to drinking that much. You know, we're just trying to have a good time. We got to hike the next day. We're not getting crazy, and we have a good time. The Redskins win, and he pulls us aside at the end of the night before we go up and, and shower up and go to bed, and he says, "When you guys get to Monson." If you get here on so-and-so date, I forget what date it was, a day in September, something like September 12th or something like that. He said, if you guys are there, I'll meet you there, 
and 13 miles into the 100-mile wilderness, I'm going to have a huge cookout for you guys. So, you know, we don't know this guy, and we don't know if he's full of baloney or not. So we, ironically, we're not even shooting for it, but we get to Monson, Maine on the day that he said, and we kind of forgot about it. You know, we were hoping for it, but we didn't believe in it. And sure enough, we get there, and he shows up, and he tells us, tomorrow, you guys can throw your backpacks in the back of my truck. I'm going to slack pack you the first 13 miles of the 100-mile wilderness, which are some of the best 13 miles of my trail experience, just covered with lakes and, and just gorges and waterfalls. And he slack packs us. Then all of a sudden we see a sign in the middle of the trail, 13 miles, just like he said, that says lobster, beer, uh, <laughs> steak tips, soda, you know, everything you can imagine, and with an arrow pointing right. And we walk down there, and we're eating lobsters in the middle of the 100-mile wilderness. Wow. And, and, and Maine kind of, you know, everyone gets so spread out. I saw people at that that party, 13 miles on the 100-mile wilderness, I hadn't seen since the Smoky Mountains. We're talking, two, you know, 1,900 miles. And, and it was like everyone is like a slinky. You all get spread out, and then it comes together. And that was such a cool, cool experience. You know, that same thing happened to me, 30-pack. I had a, uh, there was a, a couple that eventually got married that I had last seen near Irwin, Tennessee, that I saw again uh, in Maine, just right past Gorham, um, right right when you cross the state line. So it's amazing how that kind of works. I mean, but but that's a great story. That's awesome. It's, it's awesome that you're getting lobster in the middle of the woods instead of trout. I love that. So, yeah, um, and then also, um, bird shooter, um, when we were in, gosh, Georgia, I think it was the end of Georgia, this was back when the Wolfpack was all together. And I forget, I want to say I was walking with Trucker or Walking Ape. You know, Zip might have been a little little bit behind, you know. But, oh, you, you'd be surprised. Zip was a trucker. Zip would always say, oh, you guys will pass me soon. And we never passed him because he's such a hard hiker. He just kept on going. You know, we're taking breaks every three miles. He's doing 10 miles straight with Mojo and Sky. But anyways, we, we're walking up, and all of a sudden we see this. So we weren't familiar with trail magic at this time. You know, we've only walked 60, 70 miles. And we pull up, and we see this big blue tent and there's two grills and and there's coolers full of soda and full of beer and, and we, it just looked like some college kids having a party and the guy the, it was a guy named possum and a guy named grit and one of the guys threw like before and they say come on in guys come on in the next thing we know we're eating cheeseburgers and hot dogs and we're drinking sodas and we're drinking beers and it's just so wild. Like, you're walking through the middle of the woods, and all of a sudden you come up to a gravel road where it looks like no one drove except for hunters in the last couple of years. And we just come up to this tent. It's like it was our own jamboree in the middle of nowhere. Zip actually sent me photos of that, and I think it happened to you guys right after Siler Bald somewhere. But uh, it looked like uh, it looked like a pretty fine, a fine dining experience for sure. So, oh, so yeah, I, I gotta ask oh, you. Oh, hey, Berkshire. Sure. Uh, we we owe a big cheers to you about Siler's Bald, by the way. You, um, I don't think we had a discussion about it, but you told. We also know Zip as Papa Wolf. You told Papa Wolf 
that no matter what we do, no matter how far we hike or how little we hike, you need to spend the night on Siler's Ball. And me and this guy named VW, we get to the, you know, the, the trail goes right to the bottom of Siler's Ball. Then you got to walk like a half a mile, whatever it is, up to the peak. And, you know, it's a big grassy bald, which I, I love the bald, Max Pat, Siler's Ball, you know, Pump Mountain, gorgeous, because it's a big play field for big kids. Anyways, we only hike three miles out of town to Siler's Ball, and we get to the bottom, and I look at BW, and it's only about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I was like, I got more juice in the tank. I, I think I want to keep pushing it. You know, let's keep going. And next thing I know, truckers coming down the mountain, zips right behind him. Mojo and Sky come down this mountain so freaking fast, it was gnarly. Mojo, whatever, Mojo and Sky's running so fast, he kind of tumbled at the end. And they come down, and, and they just, you know, we're about to walk on. We, we got our packs on, we're about to walk on. And, and trucker and, and zip come down, and they tell us, you, you got to come up here, you got to check out this view. And, and you feel that family vibe. And so we're like, we have to go. But the water at Southern Paul doesn't have any water. It's at the, at the top of a big hill. And so we had to walk a mile down the hill. So I leave my pack there, and Zip and Papa Wolf are watching for me. And I go down, I get water. By the time I get back, and you had to walk big down this hill. And, and you come up the hill, and my pack is gone. And, and I look around, and I'm like, I, I know no one took it. You know, everyone's good spirits out on the trail. And, and I walk up to the top of the hill, and sure enough, Papa Wolf carried my pack to the top of that hill. This was a steep hill, too. He carried it up there because he really wanted us to stay. And when he heard we were going to stay, he was just so happy. And that was another one. There's so many of these, for sure. But that was one of my favorite nights. We caught a beautiful sunset. And you get to the top of Silas Falls, Silas Falls, and that's one of the first 360-degree views that we had. And it was it was amazing. It, it's like you're living in a movie. You look every direction. All you see is rolling hills, and then we catch the sunset. And you just see 20 hikers' tents. And then when the sun's setting, you see 20 hikers just staring in the same direction. There's a, a little bit of silence because everyone's just amazed by the beauty. And we owe that to you. We did three. I did three miles that day because you told Zip not to miss that, and he told me you're not going to miss this. And he took my pack up that hill. That's a good brother right there, and your brother does too. So, so I read Zip's uh, or Papa Wolf's blog religiously. I mean, li- literally living vicariously through him at every minute because uh, I almost felt like I was with you guys. But I saw the pictures from Siler Ball, and you guys had a perfect night there. And thirty pack, oh, you, you earned it because that walk down there to get water is really not easy. I mean, you drop way down into a hollow to get water, and then you got to come way back out and then climb the mountain to get on top of it but you gotta admit it was pretty worth it wasn't wasn't it so worth it and and the funny thing is you go into these things and i had no idea when you when trucker and zip came down off that hill and you know it's paying the butt to walk down that hill and they came down just to tell us that you have to come up here. You know, that's a side trail. You know, you, that's not on the trail. You don't have to go up that hill. And a lot of the time, you don't want to go, you know, more than point three off, uh, off the trail for any means. And, oh, that was a, a blessing that we didn't even know. 
That that is the power of the through hiker community right there that you just described. So I, I I would love to ask you a couple final questions here to help the um, the listeners, the studio audience. So do you have any advice to our listeners on planning a through hike? and on enjoying a thru-hike, which are two very different questions, really. Oh, yeah. My, my, my advice for going in, into a thru-hike, my, my first uh, piece of advice would be to have absolutely no expectations. And with no expectations, have no fears. Don't go into it thinking, oh, there's going to be bears. Oh, there's going to be this and that. Don't have any fears and don't expect anything. Of course, you need to plan for your hike. You need to have good gear. You need, you should have a handbook with you. But don't look into what you're doing too much. Don't look at it as 2,000 miles because you know what? When you're doing it, you look at getting to the next town. You look at getting to the next water source. Don't look at it too deeply. The trail has such an amazing way of everything working out. And it's not about, you know, it just, it works out. You just, you have to believe in it. Don't expect, just believe. There's, there's such a magic. And, you know, the people are the trail, like, like I've, I've, I've said before. And, and it's not only the people on the trail, the people surrounding the trail are great people, and they've made me a better person. I've never been happier. I've never smiled every day like I have after the trail. And I went into it. I didn't know about it. I didn't have expectations, and that was the joy of my hike because I wasn't expecting anything. I didn't have any fears. And I, I would just go into it, so to speak, blindfolded, and, and it will all come together perfectly. Couldn't agree with you more. I mean, uh, it's it's the uh, it's the community that makes the experience what it is. Do you have any um, Do you have any just final well, thoughts? It, like the trail, there, there there's times. Um, I I personally can't can't explain times of, of wanting to give up, and, and this sucks because. I went out to hike the entire trail. So everything, the rain, the hail, the snow, everything that I went through, I only had snow one time slide back in, but that's a different story. Everything that I went through, I, I was there for it. I came to walk on this narrow footpath. So it was beautiful to me. But there's something like you walk through the woods. You walk through deep woods where you can't see a view for miles and miles and miles. And then all of a sudden, the trail opens up. You get a gnarly view. You catch a sunset. You catch a sunrise. And the trail talks to you. There's going to be times when you walk through, you know, thick brush, and then all of a sudden you see rhododendron that are just blooming bright and pink, and it just makes you smile. And then there's just a little side path that's 10 feet, you know, that way, and you walk out, and the whole world opens up to you. And it changes your whole day because you're walking through the, the deep woods and there's nothing. And then all of a sudden there's this grand view. There's always something upcoming. And you just got to believe. So, 30-pack, um, I'll give you my, my like, uh, famous 10-second spiel on the trail, and then I'll, I'll challenge you to do the same. Pe people would ask okay. me when I came off the trail, what was it like? What do you have to say about it? 
and my comment to them was that I worked for six years and I couldn't really tell them anything that would be that dramatically interesting um, during that six years. But I spent six months on the Appalachian Trail and I could literally tell them stories for hours. And that's my yeah. takeaway, but I'm kind of curious to get yours. Okay, a little, little ten-second breakdown of the whole Appalachian Trail. Well, that's a tough or, or take as much time as you'd like. <laughs> okay, I'll break it down like this. Be, walking into the Appalachian Trail, after I finished it and through it, I felt like my eyes were closed, and I was... I, my eyes came open, not by my choice, but by the views and by the people and by the positivity and by the smiles of everything around me. And all it took was diving into it. And when I dived out of it, I look back and a smile is on my face and my mind takes me to a beautiful place. The trail is magic and you can't see it, you can't describe it until you touch it. Casey, I can't wait to follow your experience on the PCT, buddy. I will be the first one to sign up for your blog when you uh, when you get it rolling. I promise you that. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, well, thank thanks a ton for being on the show tonight. I uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the conversation. It brought back a lot of memories for me, and I I wish you the absolute best in your hike coming up this uh, spring and summer. Well, I, I want to thank you too. I was when you sent me that email asking me to do a, a, a podcast with you. I, I smiled so hard. I came home off. Of, I got it when I was at work. I don't check my email that frequent. I came home and I told my mom, and my dad, and I, I was doing jumping jacks in the kitchen. I mean, it's so cool because you know me and you experienced the same thing. Uh, you, you know, you did it. In 94, I did it in 2012, you know, totally different hikes, but, but we walked those same footsteps, and, and it was so beautiful. And the Appalachian Trail, I, I read a, a license uh, on Miss Janet's car. She's a trail angel, one of the most beautiful people I met on the trail, um, does so much. But I read a bumper sticker on her car that said, the Appalachian Trail ruined my life. And when I was walking the trail, I read that. And I, I never understood it. I was like, you know, what the heck does that mean? The Appalachian Trail ruined my life. You know, that's stupid. That's silly. And then when I got done, after I hit that sign, and we're driving into Millinocket, and it's all done, I finally realized. I cried tears of joy for my, the first time in my life. I never knew. I thought I cried tears of joy before, but I never felt it. I cried laughing and smiling walking off Katahdin. And I realized that... The Appalachian Trail, I hate to say ruined my life, but the only reason is because that will be, and that is the happiest summer of my life. I have never been so happy. I've never smiled so much. I've never been so positive. I never look at someone anymore the same way. I look at people, and if there's something bad or there's something negative, I want to help them. If something's going wrong, I want to help them. I want them to smile. I want to hug people. I want them to feel joy. And the Appalachian Trail gave me so much. I was in such a dark spot, Bird Shooter. And, and to be honest with you, I don't talk to people about this, like, ever. Like, I would sit in my room 
and drink bottles of vodka, and I didn't know how to deal with life. I couldn't deal with the fact that, that my grandfather, I only had one grandfather, my dad, my dad never had a dad, and, and it was so hard for me. And the Appalachian Trail taught me to be happy again, taught me to smile. It showed me that there's something out there that you will find. It might not be the AT. It might be something else. But there's always something out there, and you'll never know it until you try it. So I met you 18 years after I threw hiked for one reason. It had that kind of impact on me, and I think it has that kind of impact on everyone. And all I can say, 30-pack, is I'm thrilled that you got to experience it. I can't, th- I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I think it, uh, it was great to capture the experience of last year because it was a lot of fun meeting you and the group, and I, I wish you the absolute best on the PCT. Thank you so much, Bruce. I really appreciate you having me uh, on your podcast. And it's great talking to you again, man. It's, it's awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I got a feeling it won't be the last time, Casey. Take care, buddy, and I will, I will be talking to you soon. All right, take care, too. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show was provided by Jerris under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at n2backpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com.